Hi, and thank you for listening to Next Level Medical Assisting. Uh, This podcast is all about medical assisting and how we can be better, more efficient, and more patient-oriented. It will be positive and supportive, bringing together medical assistants and other clinical staff to be able to lightheartedly discuss medical assisting and related areas while exchanging ideas for how to be a better MA, such as compassion, detail-orientedness, staying professional, avoiding complacency, etc. There will be no politics or controversial topics here. Now for the legal stuff, the views and opinions stored and shared in this podcast are my own and are not endorsed by or representative of my employer. In addition, I am not a licensed medical professional approved to give medical advice. The information in this podcast is not in any way intended to be medical advice. Always seek the help of your physician or another qualified medical professional for any medical questions or concerns. Hello and welcome back to Next Level Medical Assisting with me, Zach, your host. Uh, thank you for coming back here. We're excited to start season two uh, and, and, and you know, move on to different topics and, and cover some more things here. I appreciate everybody listening already uh, who's been around. So I welcome any new new listeners if they're just joining or, if, uh, you know, if they're just learning about it. And so we're, uh, you know, we recently did the Medical Assistant Recognition Week episode that was that was awesome. You know, us medical assistants, we deserve the recognition. Uh, we need the recognition and the thanks. And, you know, at the very least, we can, we can get our week to do it. Uh, and then hopefully we're also told the rest of the year as well. But uh, happy medical assistant recognition week to all your MAs, uh, student MAs, um, experienced MAs, everybody else, you know. Uh, go us, really. That's the deal. And so we're, uh, we're actually, this is my first episode with the, I got some new equipment. I got a new audio interface and a new microphone. So bear with me. I apologize if the sound is a little off. I am not very familiar at all, really, with how to deal with these. I've got some good advice and where I purchased it at. Uh, but really, I'm still trying to figure it out. So apologies if the, the sound is is not ideal. And if you have any suggestions as to what I can do to make it sound better, please email me, Outlook Medical, uh, Next Level Medical Assisting at Outlook.com. Uh, I could use the tips for sure. So this episode, we're going to talk about scope of practice for medical assistants. So we're going to generally, um, we're not, we're not going to get, you know, too specific. I'm not going to, um, I'm not going to try to really tell anybody for the most part what the laws are, particularly outside of Washington, you know, things change. I know they changed a lot during the pandemic as well, you know, to make it more flexible, make it easier for MAs to do things with the staffing shortages and whatnot going to kind of go over the overall overall situation uh and by all means you know if you're you know don't take what i say as 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 uh as you know fact if you're not sure or something i say you think doesn't sound right for your company you should check with the policies and, and the laws definitely the laws of your state even if it's washington i can't make any guarantees uh and you know i don't know everything uh and even if it you know it's okay by the law make sure it's okay with your company as well you know so you're doing the right stuff so for, for scope of, of practice, uh, it, we'll discuss the topic of scope of practice for MAs, uh, but it will be more focusing more on our attitude towards our scope of practice and how to be sure we stay within the limitations while also maximizing our abilities. And scope of practice is, is the parameters for what specific tasks a professional is permitted to perform in their field of expertise according to the law. That is my definition. That is not necessarily a legal definition. That's my definition. 
and for medical assisting. These will vary primarily between the different states in the U.S. Uh, they are constantly evolving, and I know at least in Washington State, they have changed several times during the pandemic to allow for the flexibility, as I previously mentioned. I'm not familiar with every specific detail of the MA scope of practice in Washington. However, I do know that they've been allowed to do more and more tasks, which in turn makes us more and more valuable. And it's still evolving uh, to permit for more things for us to do. You know, something I haven't been able to do is, uh, you know, IVs, start IVs. We're not allowed to do those here in the state, but I, uh, or really, I think do much of anything with IVs. Um, but I believe they are in other states. So I, I have no experience of that whatsoever. So um, I wouldn't mind trying that at the time came that I was permitted to do so. And so whatever, whatever state you work in, you should be aware and educated on what is allowed for the MA scope of practice in that state. If you come across something that you are not absolutely sure that you're allowed to do, then you should not do it until you find a reliable resource to give you an answer for it. And this could be, you know, as simple as your lead MA, a clinic nurse, your manager, or your state department of health website, or, you know, another, another reliable source that, you know, can, can let you know whether or not, you know, you're permitted to do that. And so, you know, it's, it's just important. It's okay to check. I've been doing this a long time and I still check, I still check, uh, the laws here too. And the policies from my country or for, excuse me, for my company, because you just don't know, I don't want to make a mistake. And I pretend to know everything and things change. So it's okay to look it up. It's okay to stop and look it up. We want to do the right thing. Beyond the state regulations, it's important to know that your, your company's policies for your field as well. So some companies will have much tighter restrictions than state law for various reasons. In my experience and what I see, usually larger companies will have more restrictions, generally due to the amount of MAs working for them and the increased risk for liability if something goes wrong. Although that may not always be the case, uh, it's what I've seen. You know, and it makes sense from a liability standpoint. You got a lot more people doing it. Mistakes are bound to happen. And so they just do their best to, to let people work um, at capacity, but try to limit mistakes. And so the more I could see why the more people you have, the more restrictions there are. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's one way to approach it, but it's not always the case. But whatever the case, uh, you should always know what your, your company's policies are and that you're abiding by those, even if state law does allow you to do more. On one hand, we don't want to overstep our, excuse me, overstep our limitations. But on the other hand, I think it's important to not hold ourselves back and to be open enough and brave enough to try new things as long as they are permitted. Oftentimes I will see other MAs come across a task that is needed that they, they may not have done before or haven't done in some time. And they'll be very reluctant to do the task or they may think incorrectly that it's not within their scope without doing any research to confirm that. You know, I think this reaction mainly comes from anxiety about doing a new task that they are not familiar with or an outdated understanding of the MA scope of practice. You know, whatever whatever it may be, uh, you know, they, they for whatever reason, they don't want to, you know, maybe, maybe they really just don't want to take that responsibility on. And, and it may be appropriate, it may not be appropriate, but, you know, the, the important thing is to try new things. And if, you know, sometimes I come across a lot of MAs that, that are, that are sort of stuck in that and don't want to try new things. And you know what, as long as that works for them, then let it, let it work for them. So sometimes this can be something that was recently changed in our scope that the MA may have never done before. It could be a one-off order in the clinic that has never been ordered by that provider uh, in the past, or it could be a new medication that was recently purchased for the first time to be used in the clinic, or it could be an alternate use of a known medication that is usually used by say providers or other other staff are used by us in different ways that somebody's not familiar with. 
you know, an example of this is that I've seen at several clinics in my area I've worked at is an intramuscular injection of a steroid. Triamcinolone, methylprednisolone are common, uh, commonly used to inject into joints for, for pain or in the back or other parts of the body in, in certain areas. However, these medications can also be used as intramuscular injections. In my experience, it's really not that common. Uh, in 14 years, I've probably come across it maybe less than five times. Uh, but I imagine there's other clinics that do it, you know, more often or other providers that, that take a different approach. Um, and so, you know, it, it can be used that way. Whether or not your company allows it, that's another thing. But from a legal standpoint in Washington state, it's my understanding that it is, you know, is permitted. And so I've, I've been asked to do that, but I've had several, several co-MAs actually declined to do so thinking that the, um, for whatever reason, I don't want to put words in their mouth, for whatever reason, they didn't feel comfortable doing it. And you know what, if they don't feel comfortable, that's okay. But I would encourage you to be comfortable to learn. You don't have to do it on the spot. At least be open to learning new things. There was some anxiety the first time, the first time that I did it, but I did my research. I consulted with the clinic nurse and ordering provider and read the package insert to verify how it was to be injected in which site. And then I just followed my injection training. You know, I, I made, I asked the right questions. You know, what's, what's the risk here? I read the I read the insert here, like I said, you know, I make sure to know, you know, what does it need to be mixed? Does it need to be shaken? Does it need to be kept from light? Does it, you know, is it intramuscular or subcutaneous? You know, how big does the needle have to be? Do I have to aspirate? You know, what are the side effects of it? What are the risks? Um, you know, so I, I look into all that. I take my time. And if this person can't wait for me to do it correctly, then they can't wait. And I, then they can go somewhere else or the provider can do it. But if you want me to do it, I'm going to learn to do it properly and do it the right way and safely and i i am not afraid to check with the provider multiple times if i have to uh although a lot of times the providers aren't necessarily familiar with it but the the, the nurse usually will will be or can help you find the resources to what you need and so if we are too nervous or afraid or otherwise not willing to learn new skills and take the time to ensure what we are allowed to do then we will miss out on a lot of experience and ultimately we are only hurting ourselves Really, one benefit to learning new things is that to be able to put it on your resume and be able to tell future employers that you have some experience in that skill. It also allows you to get outside your comfort area, which is a good thing to help you expand your your horizons. I mean, it's, you know, learning to do more things is, is not a bad thing, particularly if you're a new MA, I would ask you to, you know, I would encourage you really to try to learn as much as you can. Because, you know, I've done so many things that I've done once or twice in my entire career that I may never do again. But the fact that I've done them really makes me feel good. I can actually tell, you know, an interviewer, yeah, you know, I don't have a lot of experience in that, but I've done it before. I know I can do it. You know, I might need a little bit of refresher and some training on it, but it's not something that I can't do. It's something that I've seen. It's not completely foreign to me. You know, I'd be happy to learn it and I'd be entirely capable of learning it. You know, it can also open up more opportunities even in the short term. For example, a lot of the COVID swabbing done around where I'm at, at least until recently, it was nasopharyngeal swabs. And prior to COVID, this is not a swab that is often performed, except maybe some places for some types of flu, uh, to flu swabs, or even those, you know, that are, um, but even a lot of those are standard nasal swabs. You know, it's, it can be done, uh, if I'm not mistaken, for um, RSV through some of the equipment. Uh, but nonetheless, most MAs that I've come across have never done it, and even myself, I'd only done it a handful of times, if that, um, in the past, and it had been some time. And so, lots of companies are looking for MAs to perform perform COVID swabbing using the nasopharyngeal specimen. Uh, 
And if it's not something that you have done before, it can be a little nerve-wracking to start doing it. Particularly since on social media, they're made out to be a lot worse or complicated than they actually are, which also makes the patients much more nervous about having it done. By being willing to learn how to perform the nasopharyngeal swabs, it can open up opportunities to make extra money and to help out where needed. I know that, you know, I was I was doing it in urgent care. I don't do where I'm at now, but I still do go work in a, in a COVID testing site um, affiliated with my company uh, and, and cover there. And, you know, it's um, they really need the help and it's nice. They're flexible and it's nice. You know, the money's nice. Uh, the extra time is nice to work and I do it if I want to and I don't if I don't want to. Uh, so it's nice to have that opportunity and they'll teach anybody. So it doesn't stop you if you've never done it. But I was, you know, at the time in urgent care, I was kind of forced to learn, but I would have been happy to anyways. And so I, I feel pretty comfortable with doing it. I've done thousands of them and it doesn't really, uh, it doesn't even phase me anymore since I do, I've done it so often. On the other hand, on the other side of the spectrum here, uh, as I mentioned earlier, we always want to make sure we're not stepping outside of the, of our boundaries. Ironically, usually the last person that you should go to for a reliable answer is a provider. Uh, it is not uncommon for providers to ask you to do something that may not fall into our scope, not intentionally, but due to their lack of knowledge about the MA scope of practice. So if a provider or any other staff member asks you to do something that you are not sure is in your scope, don't be afraid to stop, look it up, confirm it, and verify with somebody. And if you find that it's not in your scope, don't do it. Tell them. Chat with the provider and speak with them see what they have to say see if you're missing something um but if you know if, you, if it's not in your scope then you shouldn't be doing it. that's simple as that regardless of who tells you to do it uh, you know even if even if the provider owns the practice because you're, you're basically breaking the law and at least in this state the ma's work under the doctor's uh, uh insurance and so if something goes wrong it's on them but um, nonetheless you know it's like it goes on your on your on your certification uh, as an MA in this state too, if you if you had something that ends, ends up happening. Plus, it's just bad practice to do things that you're not legally allowed to do. That's We don't do those and we stick within our rules because that's what we went to school for. The longer you work in the field, the more comfortable you'll become with what is permitted by law and by your company. But we beware when you switch companies and or specialties, they may have different policies or as in the case of a different specialty, there may be a different task that the MAs may do that weren't done in the previous department. Uh, this can also be an exciting time though. I know when I worked in gastroenterology, I got to see and do things that I had never done before that were very specialized. It was nerve wracking, but fascinating to learn how to teach patients to take the electronic camera pill device that records through their GI system and then to watch the video once it's done. It was quite the learning experience. Uh, it was also very nerve wracking because, you know, these the equipment itself is not cheap. It's ex you know, it can be extremely expensive um, with or without insurance. Uh, and, you know, it's a process they go through. And, you know, what if I what if I did something wrong? What if I, I don't know, Adam do it wrong or didn't have him, you know, didn't turn the camera on appropriately or activated or documented or whatever I did. Uh, so it was really quite nerve wracking, uh, really up until the points and the, the video back and you could just see the video with the provider. The provider watches it. Because I'm like, he's just waiting to hear what you might have done wrong. But, you know, ultimately you, you do okay. And mistakes do happen because we're human. But it was, it was really cool to learn. Uh, it was something that I'd never done before. And I really had just heard about stories about it. I didn't even know it was that common. Um, so to see it and then watch the videos was quite the experience. It's pretty cool. 
you know, I'd be curious to know what other unique tasks that MAs and other fields get to do. Now, I know in cardiology, there are several different heart monitors that they get to teach patients about and set up at my company, but I've never had the chance to do it myself. You know, it makes me wonder what cool things they might do in rheumatology, dermatology, you know, ear, nose, and throat, neurology, or any other specialty department. Any of you guys work in those fields or have in the past and can let me know what your experiences have been, I would love to hear. You can either shoot me a, a message on Twitter at uh, NLMA under slash official, or you can email nextlevelmedicalassisting at outlook.com. Uh, and I think you can even leave messages here on anchor.fm, just, just uh, or maybe even Spotify. Just let me know. I'm, I'm curious to see what you have to say. Uh, you can spark a conversation. I, I, I don't have a lot of experience in specialty fields, and I know a lot of people do, and I know there's a lot of things that they do there that I um, that I've never done and that I probably don't even know about. So it'd be kind of cool to hear about it. It would also be great to hear about medical assistants around the country and what the scope of practice is for their state. I believe in some states, MAs, as I mentioned, are allowed to assist in IVs. What exactly they're allowed to do, I'm not sure, but it's something that I've never done before and I would be very curious to know what opportunities there are for us. So if you have any feedback on that, if you're listening in another state or if you've worked in another state, please let me know. I want to know what your experience has been or what it's like and you know, give me some knowledge about that I, or even about other aspects. You know, what's the certification requirements and and whatever it may be. I'd be curious to know what your experiences are in other states. I always like, like to hear that stuff because I worked in California briefly, but uh, it, was, it was brief and, and nowhere else other than that except in Washington State. So you, you never know. You never know what you'll hear or learn. Sometimes we can get into a groove uh, when we work at a specific clinic or for a specific provider for a long time. I think it's always important to be open to learning new things, to take on new responsibilities and get out of our comfort zone. Sometimes you will enjoy it. Sometimes you might really dislike it, but you will never know unless you try. You know, there's as an example for something I tried that didn't quite work out was when I was a clinic manager for a company that I worked for as an MA for several years and was eventually promoted to a clinic manager for, for several of their of their locations. Uh, it was a unique situation. The company was going through some changes and allowed any staff to apply for the position. It was such a great opportunity to do something more and different. Uh, and I was so grateful that the fact that I didn't have experience as a manager or a college degree didn't automatically exclude me from, from qualifying or applying. Honestly, it was the chance of a lifetime and I was so lucky to get chosen for the position. Uh, it, was, it was really a great opportunity at the time. You know, I was very excited, but also nervous. I was not man. I was managing not only other MAs, but also multiple RNs and one LPN, a prescription coordinator. And I was coordinating uh, sort of staffing and scheduling for seven to 10 providers. Uh, initially, I thrived doing it. It was very hard work and being on salary meant that I was always on the clock, which was new for me. During this time, I was always coordinating with my boss for, you know, I was, excuse me, I was also coordinating with my boss for opening a new clinic as well as trying to reopen another clinic that had previously been closed. And as thankful as I am for the opportunity that I was given, it was ultimately not something that was right for me. I learned a lot about how clinics are run. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about the responsibilities that managers take on. After about six months on the job, I left the company and shortly thereafter, the company went out of business. But there were other factors as to why it didn't work out for me. Some were in my control and others were not. But I learned that the benefit of being a manager does not outweigh the stress it brought on me. And this is my experience. Even, even now, I have no desire to be in a similar position. It showed me that I'm a very efficient worker and have lots of good insights and ideas, but I do not prefer to be the person to plan out and coordinate the implementation of them. And it's not a matter of whether or not I can. It's a matter of whether or not I want to. 
for me, it was a realization of my preference limitations, but also showed me that I work hard enough at something. That if I work hard enough at something, that really anything is possible. You know, but it's important to know here that it also showed me that I do truly enjoy teaching other people and spreading my knowledge.、Uh, is something that I I I I like to do. I I like to go at it. Hence the podcast here, of course. And with this knowledge, I do still enjoy taking on more responsibilities, such as being an MA extern coordinator、uh, at any clinics I'm at if 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 the if the opportunity arises, or being on committees at work that allow me to have input into changes that may or may not happen without having to be the person who is in charge of actually implementing them.、Um, you know, just maybe going to get some feedback or or testing some things or giving them feedback based on what we're experiencing on the front line. And ultimately, I consider my experience as a clinic manager as a huge benefit to my career and my life. Even though it didn't work out, it taught me so much about myself and about the healthcare industry as a whole, and gave me a lot of insight into why my managers do things that they do and what the train of thought might be、uh, for that process. So, in that aspect, I learned a lot,、uh, and I'm able to see it better from their from their perspective. So just just know. That trying new things is always a good idea, as long as you're staying within your scope of practice and your employer's rules for for what you are permitted to do. And just because you try something doesn't that mean that you will be great at it or even enjoy it. But if you never try, then you will never know. So be open to trying new things, even if you're nervous about it. It will only add to your experience and teach you about yourself. And and、uh, there's nothing really wrong with that. You know, the more you can learn about yourself, so don't be afraid to to. Make mistakes, try new things. Try not to make mistakes, but try new things. You know, be and 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 give it a shot. You might, you never know what you really might enjoy or what, what kind of doors it might open.、Uh, but whatever you do, just just keep being an awesome medical assistant.、Uh, happy medical assistant recognition week this week, and、uh, everybody, you know, we、uh, we're proud of you, and you know, we're we're an important part of the healthcare system. So. Thank you, everybody, for、uh, listening to another episode of Next Level Medical Assisting with me, Zach, your host. I look forward to joining you again next week、uh, to continue season two here. And、uh, take care and stay safe. Thank you.